Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then uh, open with me to the book of Romans. Father God, we thank you for today. We love you with all of our hearts. Lord, we ask that you would um, just move, Lord Jesus, in this place. Father, that you would allow the book of Romans to speak to our hearts. Father, that you would open our minds, our hearts, and our spiritual eyes to see beautiful things in your word that might transform our lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Come on, help out that brother right there. Come on, come on, help out that brother right there. The book of Romans. We're going to be studying the book of Romans chapter by chapter. But we may not get to each um, consecutive chapter the following week. We're going to pace ourselves to a degree while allowing a little bit of discipline to move us forward. But we're going to study the scriptures line by line in an expository way. Over the last year, we've primarily been preaching on themes month to month, and they have been a blessing. But now we are going to slow it down, and we're going to be teaching the Word of God for the remainder of the year and into probably 2023. And so if I may, I'd like to begin by simply saying that the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the church at Rome was a very significant book for the believer. In the early church, the book of Romans was probably one of the most widely circulated books, which actually was not meant to be a book at all, was simply meant to be a letter. A letter to the church at Rome. But what we have found after thousands of years of studying the book of Romans and growing and learning from the word of God through this letter that Paul wrote and penned to the Romans was the theology that is found in the book of Romans is so helpful for our faith. You see in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a lot of wonderful stuff about Jesus' birth, life, ministry, passion narrative, resurrection, so on and so forth. And in the book of Acts, we learn about the early church, its establishment. But they're written in a narrative form. They're written in a story form. In a very different type of genre. But this letter to the book... To the, to the Romans, it's such that Paul writes it in order to help us understand who God is and who Jesus is. So he writes it with the intent of explaining. Somebody say explaining. You see, explaining is very important to the learner. And as we are learning, explaining is very essential to the learner because it helps us to understand so that we can in turn, explain it to others. And that's the word of God. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If we have understanding, if we have knowledge, then it allows us to take the abstract concepts of who God is and what he has done and apply it to our lives in such a practical way that it actually changes our behaviors. It gives us a, a godly and worldly perspective of how to view politics, how to view things in our lives, how to live our lives and work out our marriages, 
how to raise our children because now we have a strong theology rooted in Jesus Christ. And we owe a lot of that to the Apostle Paul. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. So I, I, I don't know if we'll get through the first 17 verses of today or not. That is our hope. And if not, we'll just pick up where we left up, left off um, next week, wherever that is. Paul, which means short. So his name Paul was a descriptive word given his physical stature. The word Paulus can also mean humble. But it's used in a diminutive form, meaning Paul was a short man. Dulos, Jesus Christu. Paul, a slave or a servant of Christ Jesus. Dulos in Greek, meaning one who is given to serve another. And this particular word, doulos, means slave. It can also be used to refer to a servant. And I know we don't like the word slave, but in those days, there were people who actually would give themselves into slavery. And there was also institutional slavery, which we condemn in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? But there were also people who rendered themselves indebted to others based off of maybe a financial debt or a generational debt that one's father or mother unfortunately passed on to their own children. And then, of course, there were prisoners of wars and people that were forced into forced slavery because of wars. So there's all different kinds of ways and, and that we can understand this, but this in particular word that Paul is using is in reference to his commitment to Jesus Christ as a slave or a servant. In other words, I will do whatever my Lord, Jesus Christ, instructs me or asks me to do. Then the next word is call. Somebody say call. Still verse 1. Call, kletos, which, we, which the root word is kaleo, means to be called or invited, selected or appointed. So Paul was called by God, called by Jesus. He was invited, he was selected, he was appointed. And he refers to himself in such a way, called by God to be an apostle. Apostolos is the Greek word here, which means one who is sent. One who is sent confidently. Amen. How many of you remember when, when you were ever selected, you were called, and then you were appointed, and then you were asked to go and do something? I remember in kindergarten, one of the first times that there was a message to Mrs. Mars kindergarten classroom at Carson Street Elementary, which celebrated its 
centennial anniversary this past year. In Miss Mars class, they asked her to name two milk monitors. And she happened to ask me to be one of the milk monitors. Oh, and I wore that honor like a badge. Joshua, she said, you will be our selected milk monitor for the year. So every day at a, at a particular time, I would go to the cafeteria and I would go and bring back milk for our snack time. And I was so honored. You know, when you're sent, you, you kind of act and operate with kind of a little bit of a... Um, a little bit of an ego, you know what I mean? Like, don't mess with me, I'm the milk monitor. <laughs> then in fourth grade, they said I was the line leader. You know, Miss Joseph. Miss Joseph, she had finger waves and her fingernails was always done like immaculately. And she came, she came to school teaching and she always looked like a million dollars, Mrs. Joseph. Don't let, me get, don't, don't let me get started on Mrs. High. She, she let it be known that I was her favorite. Mrs. High also, she was, she, she, her perfume was like probably $100, $200 perfume. And I remember in fifth grade, Mrs. High called me into the hallway and she says, Now, Joshua, don't let anybody know that I gave this to you except your parents. Here's a card. And I just want to say thank you for being such a pleasant student. And, and I, I couldn't help. I, when she, we walked back in, she gave me 10 bucks in a Christmas card. And that, that was a blessing, man. Several years later, Mrs. Joseph, she walked in through these doors and visited from Texas after she retired. And, and I recognized her just like it was, you know, 30 years ago. She walked in and I said, God bless you, Mrs. Joseph, and welcome to Mission Ebenezer Family Church. And she just waved. That was so awesome. But I wasn't opposed to being the favorite student, being one who's called, being one who is sent, you know, and, and there's a little bit of pride and a little bit of honor that, that we get a chance to operate with. And, and that's exactly the way Paul felt. Paul felt that God had called him and appointed him and made him to be an apostle, one who was sent on behalf of God. Guys, you and I, we are called on behalf of God to go into the world with the authority and with the confidence that Jesus has died for our sins and that he has made it possible for us to be at peace with our creator, for our sin to be dealt with, for our sin to be nailed to the cross and for us not to have to carry the guilt and the burden of sin and shame and walk around with our head down with our chin hanging low. But no, God used this man named Paul to speak to the Romans to breathe in them life. Amen? In verse 1, it says that he was also set apart for the gospel of God. Set, somebody say set apart. Aphorizo is the Greek word, aphorizo, which means to set apart. And it could, be mean, it, it could mean to be set apart for a bad or negative purpose. It also can mean that one is set apart for a good purpose. 
A negative sense would be if, let's say, somebody with leprosy was set apart because they were sick and they were contagious and couldn't be around other people for fear of spreading that very, very contagious disease, aphorizo. But Paul right here uses aphorizo in reference to being set apart for a good purpose, for a reason. Not just because he is better than anybody. When you become a Christian and you choose to invite Jesus to come into your life, it doesn't mean that you are better than anybody. It doesn't mean that our faith in Jesus or that our religion is better than anybody. It just means that our faith in Jesus Christ is the only true faith that will lead us to Father God in heaven. It should not cause us to carry any kind of arrogance. It should not cause us to be judgmental, although that is very tempting and we have to be cautious that we don't start walking around like our stuff don't stink. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Christians, we could be very judgmental. We could, be, we could become very legalistic if we aren't already. God forbid you, we, we're legalistic before we come to Jesus and now we're, real, we're legalistic with a badge. The Apostle Paul understood that because he was a Pharisee. He was a Jew, which means that he committed himself to the law of Moses. He was a lawyer in the spiritual sense. He knew the law forwards and backwards. He had about four or five law degrees. I'm not exaggerating. He was one of the finest rabbis of the Jewish council and faith. He knew what it was. He used to Persecute Christians, throw them in jail, drag them out alive and leave them for dead. He stood by and looked on as Stephen, one of the disciples or followers of Jesus Christ, was martyred and stoned to death. And then he got saved and he had to constantly remind himself, caution himself not to fall into that old pattern. If you read all of Paul's letters and all of his is writings, you'll see that Paul, just like all of us, we all have our, our shortcomings. Amen? We all have our shortcomings. Paul knew his. I believe we know ours, don't we? And our faith in Jesus Christ is what keeps us humble, keeps us paulos, humble and small before God. In a posture that allows us to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. So Paul was marked and he was set apart aphorizo for a special purpose. And what was that special purpose now for Paul? It was the euangelion. Everybody say euangelion. Euangelion simply means evangel. It means good news. It means someone who brings good news or a good message. And so Paul was set apart for the gospel of God. Evangelion theu. The gospel of God. Interesting that he doesn't say the gospel of Jesus Christ just quite yet. He says gospel of God. He wants to make a point that he's not just going to go straight and cut straight to the chase which is Jesus Christ, but he wants to explain that 
He's talking about the gospel, the good news of the one and only true God. The one and only true God. How many of us, when we refer to Jesus or we refer to God or the son of God and the kids ask us questions, is Jesus God? Is he God? Is he the son of God? And, and, and is he Lord? Can we, can we pray to Jesus and end it with Father God? Yes, and all of the above. Jesus is God. And Jesus is the son of God. And Jesus is God and Jesus is man. And you can't separate one from the other. Jesus is God, man, like dog, man. Those of you who have little kids know what I'm talking about. That book series called Dog Man. Lola loves it. It's a cartoon of about a police officer who lost his head and a dog who lost his body. So they they sewed one on top of the other. And now it's dog man. He got instincts of a dog but bodily functions of a man and he's a good detective. But he doesn't fit in anywhere. Just like Jesus. The Bible says that he, he neither had a den nor a place to lay his head. He was rejected by his own people. The world did not recognize him when he came. Many times we refuse him and reject him on a daily basis too, don't we? And we have to ask God for forgiveness. That's called disobedience. May the Lord have mercy on us. Well, the reason why it's called good news and the the gospel has its own particular name and special name and form and function is because it means that there's bad news first. And the bad news is, is that we all are sinners and that we all have to deal with sin in the world. We were all born with sin in our lives. It was imputed into us through Adam and Eve. Through one man, the Bible says, sin entered into the world. And yet through another, sin was dealt with so that all mankind might have the possibility for eternal life. And that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So let's not cast all the blame on Adam and Eve. For there's a whole lot of good that came out of Adam and Eve. If that was us, we would have probably done the same thing because mangoes taste good. What is your fruit of choice? Apple, persimmon, banana? I don't know. It, it just said a tree. At any rate, that's the bad news is that sin caused separation between God, creator, and Mankind, creation. Can I hear an amen? I'm not saying we should amen that we were separated from God, but amen meaning I want to make sure we all have our theology and our doctrine in place. And that's what the first eight chapters of the book of Romans does is make sure that we have good, sound, tight doctrine. I was licking my chops when I was looking at Romans chapter one as we were preparing for this teaching series. And I just wanted to just cut to the chase and go to verse 18. But the Lord said, no, pace yourself. Take it verse by verse. Let's go slowly through this chapter and let the Holy Spirit bring knowledge, conviction, transformation 
through every line, through every word. Amen? All right, verse 2. The gospel, the euangelion, he promised. Who is he, you guys? Who is he? God. Paul is writing and he says the gospel that he promised, right? Watch this. Before, through his prophets. So Paul's not going to use the name Jesus here because Jesus was the name given to the God man after he was born. Jesus was his name, which means savior. Yes, Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew. But when Paul is referring here to the one that had prophesied the good news through the prophets, he's going to simply refer to him as God or he. Amen. So God is the subject. God, the father. Somebody say God, the father. In the Trinity, we say father, son, Holy Spirit. In this particular way, when we talk about the three persons of the Trinity, three persons, one God. Not three gods, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune Godhead or the Trinity. You won't find the word triune or Trinity in the Bible. These are simply words that we have given to theology or things in our faith and practice that help us to understand. So we can have pictures and logos and concepts and ideas that will go along with who God is because he's an invisible God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we get disillusioned when life gets hard and when, when things are difficult, it's very easy for us to lose sight of God. It's very easy for us to get caught up in doubt and say, man, is there really a God? It's very easy, even when we, we go through difficult things within the church, within the body of Christ, division, heartache, trauma, conflict, for us to then say, man, God, are you really real? And how could this be? And why would you allow that, God? But God is a sovereign God, and he is above all, and he's bigger than all things. And so the things that puzzle us and the things that are perplexing to us as human beings are meant to be that way because we are not God. We do our best to understand who God is. We do our best, you guys, to figure things out, but we will never be able to understand God comprehensively. We can only scratch the surface. We could, we could, we can barely even tap into a few things. And thankfully that he, allow, he allows us to do so. Thankfully, he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, to understand and to comprehend even more. God, you're so good. But it says he spoke through the prophets, this gospel, this good news. That he promised. Through Isaiah, Micah, Jeremiah, Joel, Zechariah, Habakkuk, so on and so forth. And the Old Testament scriptures, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then the historical accounts of first and second kings, first and second Samuels, the judges, so on and so forth. So much there in scripture. And it was all pointing to who, you guys? Jesus. So when Paul sets us 
on the right track, he is setting us up first, establishing God's preeminence. Father God's preeminence. He is setting us up, brothers and sisters, to make sure that we have good, sound doctrine and theology to which we can place our hat, to which we can stand upon so that when the storms of life and the winds of life and the doubts of life and the heartbreaks of life and the discouragements and the disappointments of our own, our, our own mistakes and our own failures and the failures of people that we look up to and that we admire and respect, even within the church, we can say, hey, by the grace of God, I am not worshiping that person, but God has revealed himself to me through Jesus Christ by forgiving me for my sins, the first and foremost and worst sinner of all, me, us, glory to God. Paul understood this. Y'all know when, when I'm on to something, I step away. Paul understood this. And that's exactly why he spoke with such authority and such confidence and such truth with conviction. Truth with a capital T, spelled J-E-S-U-S. That God loves us so much that he gave us Jesus. And it's not just emotion. It's not just I'm down and out and I'm broken and I don't know where to go. And let me just find this man they call Jesus and let him be my crutch. And then when things start coming together and work out again, let me bail on this dude. That's not what Paul's trying to get at right here. Paul's trying to get at is that every fiber of our being, every cell, every molecule of our DNA is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So that blood that flows through your veins and mine flowed also through Jesus, his son that he sent to die on the cross for us. And that same blood was shed for your sins and mine. Praise you, Jesus. Paul understood it. Paul was the recipient of that grace, which is why he writes with such love. Don't you just feel Paul's love here in the scriptures and just in the first couple of verses? Oh, that love. Love when a mom and dad sits their kid down and says, you know what? Life will be rude to you sometimes, so let me prepare you for it. And marriage is hard, son. But if that's what God has called you to, then work through the hard times. Hallelujah. Be quick to forgive. Quick to say, I'm sorry. Paul understood that we we're all imperfect. And he was one of the first that received the grace of Jesus Christ when Jesus revealed himself to Paul on the road to Damascus. When he was going to slaughter more Christians, God said, uh -uh, brother. Hey, shorty, not so fast, eh? Slow your roll, homie. I got a different purpose for you now. Verse three, regarding his son who asked that his human nature, here we go, was a descendant of David, how many of you remember in the Gospels, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, 
They called Jesus the son of David because they could trace his lineage all the way through Joseph, which was not actually his biological father, but let's call him his earthly father. And do you want me to make the distinction as to why? Because it wasn't the seed or the sperma of Joseph that impregnated Mary, but it was through the Holy Spirit. It was a miraculous conception that Jesus of Nazareth was born of a virgin named Mary who had never slept with a man until after she gave birth to Jesus, her son. And then her marriage was consummated with her, at that point, betrothed husband, Joseph. They became man and wife, and then they bore other children. But Jesus's spiritual lineage is passed down through David. And Joseph is found in that same lineage because he took on the earthly responsibility and role as father to Jesus. Somebody say, bless Joseph. He's kind of the one who, who's always left out in the cold, poor Joseph. You know, is Mary, in the Catholic church, it's like, it's Mary, and then it's Jesus, and then it's Jose. But how I many of you know, it's all about Jesus. And we respect Mary, and we thank her for what she did and for saying yes, and we thank Joseph for his role, and we, we bless them both. We revere, the, revere them, but we don't worship them or idolize them. Can I hear an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. No graven image, no idol of any kind will ever save you, protect you, rescue you. It's time to start separating any of, any of our folklore, religious myths. Anything that, that we have interwoven through our Christian faith has got to be taken out. Looking at horoscopes, going to the palm reader, looking at tarot cards, engaging in and all other forms of spirituality, witchcraft, anything that is, that is not of God is an abomination unto God. And we have to detach ourselves from these unclean, impure spirits that are trying to allow darkness to be enmeshed with light. But many people don't understand because they don't know much about God or the Bible. People just take on their own faith based on what they see on the Internet. On, on social media or on hearsay. Most people, if you ever ask them, do you believe in God? And they say no. And you say, well, have you ever written, uh, read the Bible? And they'll say no. Most people, not all people, but most. Don't even know the word of God. Don't even know why they believe what they believe or not. So that's why we as believers are so blessed to have the book of Romans to get things straight, to get things in order in our lives, in our faith. In Jesus' name. Oh, man. Ten twenty-five. I would, brother. <laughs>